This is The Drive with Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. Let's rev it up because NFL football is back. Bucks Cowboys, which you can listen to right here on WSJS Sports later tonight. We'll get to the actual game a bit later. Plus, Wake AD John Curry will be here in 15 minutes. But now that the season's arrived, Here's the Panthers' prediction you can set in stone for me for 2021. This is going to be a winning football team. I've got them at 9-8, and eight, but 10-7 and seven certainly wouldn't shock me because mainly three things that we've talked about at nauseum this entire offseason. Number one, Sam Darnold's an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater. Is it night and day? No. But is there enough of a talent gap to make a difference? I think so. Better arm, higher ceiling, he'll be more productive just because Christian McCaffrey's going to play in more than three games in 2021, I'd bet. And improved quarterback play might just be enough to turn some of those one-possession losses into wins. Eight of Carolina's 11 losses last season were by one possession. And... And every single one of those losses, Carolina had the ball at the end and did not score. Quarterback play can make a big difference there. This is also going to be a top 10 defense, or at least pretty close to it. Top 11, top 12, it's going to be a top 10 caliber defense. Brian Burns, he's going to become a league-wide star. Just listen to the way Matt Rule talks about him. This is from yesterday's press conference. When asked about how rare of a talent Burns is, he's rare in every way. He's a special talent. He's unbelievably smart and detailed. Um, you know, tremendous recall, and so you know that's that's uh, that's fun as a coach. The coaches, I think, they really enjoy coaching him. Carolina was 19th in total defense last year. If you want to know what the difference between being 19th and being top 10 in the league. Last year was, you're looking at between 25 to 50 yards a game. That's what it is. Sounds like a small amount, but when you expand it over 17 games, not so much. Carolina, I think, can make that leap. They've invested a lot in this defense ever since Matt Rule arrived. They devoted their entire draft last year, literally, to the defense, including a top 10 pick in Derrick Brown. This year, they took the first defensive player off the board and J.C. Horn, who's expected to start. A.J. Boye, he's going to be in there after his two-game suspension. Jeremy Chen's going to be playing at a natural spot. You pick up Morgan Fox, you invest to a degree in Daquan Jones. Hassan Reddick's a pretty good ad that you get on a discount. This defense, I think, is going to take a huge step, and a big reason why is Burns. Burns, I felt, has been overlooked. DJ Moore, I don't think gets the respect other top 10 receivers in the league get. That's what the jump's going to look like. Those guys that on paper and with our eyeballs look like top 10 caliber players at their position are now going to start garnering that respect because it's going to be backed up with wins. It requires some luck to win in this league. We talk about the secret sauce of the NFL. It's this. There are maybe eight teams in the league that can win the Super Bowl. Then there are 20 who believe they can. 
You're looking at four or five who feel like they're completely out of it. The gap is so small between the 8th or ninth best team in the league and the 27th or 28th best team in the league. So you need some luck and to win in the margins. Improved quarterback play helps. Some breaks in the offseason, I think, helps Carolina too. Drew Brees retiring. Atlanta restarting with the new coach. Joe Brady returning as the offensive coordinator, not getting a head coaching job. Hassan Reddick, because of the salary cap going down, not up, deciding he would take a one-year deal to be with his old college coach despite being one of the most productive pass rushers last year. The schedule. You only have one primetime game. It's a Thursday night. You usually don't like having those primetime games, those Thursday nights, having to go on the road on a short week. But they throw the easiest opponent in that spot. The easiest opponent on paper, the Houston Texans. When do you catch Tampa Bay, who I think is the best team in the league again? More on that in a second. You get them two of the final three weeks of the season, they might be benching starters for both those games if it's a 17-game schedule. So Carolina's caught some breaks. I think it's going to pay dividends. Carolina won five with a 16-game schedule last year and no offseason and a first-year head coach and the highest turnover rate among any team by far in the league and the most dead cap money. This year, they get a full offseason, They have retention on staff. They catch some breaks. They improve quarterback play. And they improve their defense. That's going to result in wins. This is a winning football team. I think they finish 9-8. It wouldn't stun me if they go 10-7. Let's find out what you think on social media. You could call in and let me know what your Panthers prediction is. 336-777-1600 or on Twitter at WSJS Sports. On Twitter... 56% 56% of the vote goes to six or seven wins for Carolina. 32% say eight or nine. Only 3% say 10. And 9% say five or fewer. That's where it stands. Robert Walsh, the producer of this show. We've got intern Nick in the house as well. That's my Panthers prediction. Now let's broaden it from our backyard and look ahead to February. Because that's always fun. And what could go wrong picking and forecasting things all the way into the winter? I'm calling for a historic Super Bowl in Los Angeles this year. I like the Buccaneers to repeat as champs. Let's start there. I can't think of an easier title defense pick than Tampa Bay. They get literally every starter back from last year. You have the greatest quarterback of all time. You don't have Drew Brees in the division anymore. I told you about Atlanta rebuilding as well. Tampa Bay has the 29th easiest schedule in the NFL based on last year's records. That's pretty good. It would be historic if Tampa Bay repeat. They would be just the ninth, it would just be the ninth time in league history in the Super Bowl era that it happened the last time was the New England Patriots in 2003 and 2004. The team they're going to play against, I have down, Robert, the Cleveland Browns. I think the Browns are going to make their first ever Super Bowl appearance, and I think it's been trending this way. They just checked 
too many boxes for me here. I think it's a three-team race in the AC uh, in the AFC, not the ACC. If the Browns were in the ACC, maybe they could give Clemson a run. Who knows? But it is a three-team race in the AFC. The Browns, the Chiefs, and the Buffalo Bills. I'm going with Cleveland because I love both their lines. I love Baker Mayfield. I know a lot of people don't. I'm on the Baker train. I like Kevin Stefanski. This is his second year. I think they're only going to get better. Love the skill, guys. I love the fact they haven't paid Baker Mayfield yet, so it feels like this year is their best opportunity. This is their window to finally break through and get to a Super Bowl. I think it's going to happen. I do. And I think getting through Pittsburgh in that playoff game last year is a huge deal mentally and is going to take a weight off the next time they get into the postseason, which I believe is this year, and I think they're going to win the AFC North. Think about it in these terms, though. So I like Tampa Bay to beat Cleveland in the Super Bowl. Where would that put Tom Brady? He's already in this, you know, amazing astronomic space. The Athletic put out the top 100 players in the league yesterday in league history, and Tom was number one, one of five active players who were on that list. He's just going to continue padding his resume. He would become, if he's able to win, Robert, if he wins a second consecutive Super Bowl, he would be the second quarterback to repeat twice. As I mentioned, the Patriots were the last team to repeat. That was 2003-2004. Tom Brady did that. He repeats again. Do you know who the other quarterback is to go back-to-back twice? I'm going to pass the baton to uh, Nicholas here. In turn, Nick, who is it? Joe Montana, 88-89. To do it twice. Oh, See, do it twice. There, are, there are seven, I think, eight quarterbacks who have repeat. John Elway's done it. I think Brian Greasy did in 72 and 73. Uh, you, you can find other examples where it's happened. Troy Aikman's done it. Who's the only quarterback to do it twice? Repeat and then repeat again. You'd have to go back to the 1970s, Terry Bradshaw in 74-75 and 78-79. Tom Brady would join that company. And, Robert, this Super Bowl is Super Bowl 56. This would be Tom's 11th Super Bowl. So it's pretty close to one-fifth of the Super Bowls played historically featuring Tom Brady. Just off by a little bit. 11 out of 55, if my math's correct, would be exactly one-fifth, but 11 out of 56, that's frankly unbelievable. What do you think of my picks? Panthers at 9-7, and seven, I think right there is a wild card team. There are going to be some tiebreakers involved. I think they get in. And I got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beating the Browns in the Super Bowl. All right, you mean 9-8 and eight for the Panthers? What did I say? Nine and seven. Oh, nine Unless and eight. Unless you're going to yes. give them a tie. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Nine and eight. That's what I got for Carolina. Uh, I think that's wishfully optimistic for a win total for them. I don't know if they break all the way through and get that far, but I would say six or seven wins would be about the area I would put them in. And that's where most people are voting. Maybe I am optimistic. On Twitter, that's what most people think. Among the things we'll talk about with Wake. Athletic Director John Curry, the Alliance, 
and the ACC looking at alternatives to Greensboro for league headquarters. You'll hear from the Wake AD who joins this show next on The Drive. Yeah, he is a locker room divider. He can be a problem. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. I love this segment. Unusual questions. An opportunity for you guys to essentially ask us whatever you want. That's what it seems like because that's what we want it to be. 336-777-1600 if you want in. On Twitter at WSJS Sports. Darren Vaught is in with us. He's going to be here till about 4.30 today. Let's just get this thing started because we have a lot to get to. Last week, guys, everybody made it out that I got mad at Josh and I left the press conference. That's not right. I thought it was an unusual question, and it's okay. It's time for Unusual Questions with Josh Graham. By the way, did you catch John Curry saying, that was an interesting phrasing of the question. (laughs) That would have been great if he just said, that's an unusual question. You're like, yeah, I get that a lot. You're going to be added to... (laughs) Our edit here added to the imaging that we have. I'll get us started, boys. Why aren't polar bears called white bears? See, we got black bear. We got brown bear. Got a number of different bear colors. But polar bear? Why is it just not? I mean, it's a white bear. What it is. is. The same could apply for like a grizzly bear. Or a Kodiak bear. Sure. It's just, it's just a different name. Well, they, they Have pol- you ever heard anyone call a polar bear a white bear? I think it's because they're in the polar caps. Like, that's where they're found predominantly. Kind of like the Kodiak bears are found in the Kodiak region. Plus, sometimes they get kind of mangy. They're not... They're a little more yellow. <laughs> they never Wait. show you that on the Coca-Cola commercials. <laughs> like them, like, yeah, see, rolling in a seal's the, blood and entrails. That is not what they show you on the Coca-Cola I'm commercials. I'm thirsty right? for a Coca-Cola! <laughs> Great impression of, maybe, a, of maybe a white bear. I mean, a polar bear. Maybe it's spill the Coca-Cola that makes them kind of dingy looking. Sometimes. Just asking the questions here. That's all I'm trying to no, do. It's, it's, it but, has merit. I'll go to intern Nick now. Intern Nick, what's your unusual question today? So I heard this on a podcast, and I really want to know what you guys think. So it's a would you rather. So would you rather spend 10 years in jail with your best friend? Nothing bad happens to you. There's no drop the soap. You don't get beat up. (laughs) Nothing bad happens to you. You're with your best friend, though. Or you spend the rest of your life in the jungle you get a care package every single day of whatever you want, and your best friend is a talking monkey. Uh, okay, couple questions here. There's so many layers to <laughs> this. I have a couple what questions. jungle and what's in the care package? Uh, the care, the package. care package is whatever you want. Every day okay. you get whatever you want. Perfect. So you can essentially just like get supplies to build an empire. When you say jungle, what, what are you picturing in your head? Uh, kind of like the forest like deep in the forest or something so like are are we supposed to be in danger uh no i i don't think so because the monkey is your friend so i'm assuming you're going to be friends with all the monkeys around no, and we can get whatever we, we want danger. to just pop up out I of think, thin air i think in the jungle we are in danger 
but we don't have to worry about not being able to live because we got a care package of things that keep us alive. So, Correct. like, from, from a food and nourishment standpoint, we're good, but we're in a jungle where bad things could happen to you. But, but like, can, that, that's I why get... it's specific with jail. You're in jail, but nothing bad's going to happen yes. to you, which is important to but bring But do up. I get supplies to build a hut slash house? Yeah, yeah you could You packages. could essentially See, build an empire. Like, See, that's every, what I'm anything saying. you want. Compared to jail, I mean... Well, you got to think about the time frame. Yeah, you're jail, in jail you're only in there years. for 10 years, you're and you're with your best friend. for the friend. rest of your life. 10 years. I'm taking the 10 years. Nah. In jail? I'm, ta I'm taking... I'm starting a new society. 100%. Like, yeah. There, there, yeah, there I'm are with civilizations you, that, were, that started as jungle land, and those people didn't have whatever they wanted at their disposal to just pop up out of thin air. Nah, hell, I'm, I'm going to the jungle. I'm yeah. taking 10 years because, essentially, last year, 2020, was the situation you were describing, where, hey, you're just... You're there, and you, you have your best friend, in my case, at Sarah Bradford. We're hanging out. Well, you right? would be split up. They couldn't have the jail. We could still. Together. Can I still do my radio show from jail? <laughs> no. No. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're in jail for a reason. Okay. Sarah Bradford. You said something ridiculous. Sarah That's Bradford just was. texted in, actually. I'm taking the talking monkey hands yes, down. There yeah, we go. See? She gets it. Yes. She said, You're the talking monkey, though. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Great, Dynamite. Great Sarah Bradford humor. Darren, you're, take, you're starting a new society. I'm I'm taking I'm taking the ten years because it's ten years and I'm not gonna die in the jungle cold and alone. I'm gonna be hanging might, out with my buddy and I'm, nothing bad's gonna happen to me in the shower. I might turn into like a supervillain, like, like building a society in this <laughs> uh, in this desolate jungle. My best friend is a talking monkey. He's like my little henchman. Intern Nick sounds like he's with you on that. Yeah, I am. I'm so in on. I I want to build an empire in the jungle with my monkey friends. I don't think it's a fair hypothetical, to be honest. I don't. I don't think you can compare the two. Robert Walsh, what's your unusual question? Uh, I got a couple here. I guess uh, I'll start with this one. Uh, then we'll why, circle back to you if you have to. Why do do all QB cadence calls like on the line sound the exact same? No matter who the quarterback is, they all like sound their the same. voice. Yeah, you're talking. Yes. Okay. So I they pulled this clip, like that. and I want to see if you guys can tell me which quarterback. Ooh, is. I like this game. Hey, Penny, 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 Penny. Hey, West, forty-eight. So those are two different guys. No, or well, one the, was a defensive the, player. The, no, the the voice you hear in the middle of it that's saying forty-eight is the center accepting his call. Right. Okay, so, so the first voice is the one. So can I'll I hear it one more time? Again. Hey, who, which quarterback is that? Is that Darnold? Josh thinks Darnold. Uh, Darren, do you have a guess? I'm going to go Matt Stafford. That is Lamar Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> they all sound the same. That's great. Like, I think just this hearing is... this at the end, this at the end, I would say like Rodgers, so, like Stafford, like that was yeah. guess. That sounds like every quarterback. No one has a like. I even looked up Kyler Murray. Let me try this real quick. Red Foddy, Red Foddy, is it? That's Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> Without question, <laughs> no doubt in my mind, Blaine Gabbert just now. Not terrible. I think this is like. Um, I mean, it's just like anything else because you 
there's a, an expectation of how things are supposed to sound, I guess, Probably. right? Like, we yeah. all just kind of mimic. I mean, you know, even Oh, Josh, dear God. Josh, we just got big breaking news in the studio. Robert's, Robert's going to hate this. Uh-oh. Gus Edwards has suffered season-ending ACL injury. At running back. Are we interrupting a week after questions? A week that? after Dude, J.K. That's Dobbins what I'm saying. Like, we're in the unusual <laughs> questions. We're having fun. <laughs> the look on Robbie's face. Like Darren, I, give me an unusual question. <laughs> we're having fun. <laughs> Oh, hang on. Let's stop all the fun, guys. Let's stop all the fun. Hold on. I'm going to I'm gonna take a big steamer on uh, Robert's chest real quick. Hey, you guys don't have any running backs except for your quarterback, huh? Is that going to affect the line here? Gosh, man. We didn't get to best yeah, just, bets just, quick just, enough. All right, well, look. How's that going to affect my best well, bets? I, I had Raiders plus four and a half Clown. against the Ravens. I should have done this segment 20 minutes ago. Gosh. How about you feel sorry for Gus for a second, okay? Yeah. I could be crass about that sometimes. Darren, <laughs> give me your unusual question today. Uh, I, I like this one. You hear it a lot, contemplated among maybe friend groups, but assuming that life works this way, and we, after we are uh, out of these bodies, our souls reincarnate into another beings, what animal would you want to be in another life? Wow. What animal... Would you like to be in another life? So say, assuming... I'd like works, to fly. Yeah, so it, if, if, if it works in the way that you're not another human. Okay. I'd like to fly. That's my prerequisite. We can't do fictional beings, right? So I can't do, like... I don't think so. I, I mean... A... What's the thing called in uh, like a Harry Potter? Like a, a snitch? It's no, not a being, no, it's not a living the, thing. An the, owl? What the else bird, is in Harry Potter? There's, there's the bird. There's an owl. That looks like an eagle that has big legs and stuff. I forget the name of it. All right, well, you can't be that. Okay, I can't be that. <laughs> then I'm just going to choose an eagle. I want to fly. See, all right, I, I hear you on flying. I think my first prerequisite, even ahead of being able to fly, would be something that isn't hunted. And sometimes eagles... I mean, it's illegal here, but sometimes they're more majestic, so they're more likely to be hunted and be prey. Robert. By humans. Anyway. Where are you headed on this one? Uh, Bonko. He wants to be Bonko. Yeah, Bonko. I think Robert's still struggling right now. <laughs> I just don't care. Like, I, I just don't care anymore. I'm sorry, dude. I didn't. I didn't hurt Gus. I didn't do it. You did this. You could have waited till the break. Oh wait, I've got more bad news. I've already seen it. It's Marcus Peters. He's also Marcus Peters is also out for the season. We think. Wouldn't it be nice if the Orioles were good and you had a team that you could feel bad about at any moment, like I feel right now? Gosh, I missed an opportunity there. I should have said. I said, I wasn't done yet. That would have been hilarious. Intern Nick, you could be reincarnated as an animal. Which animal are you choosing? Uh, probably any one of my three dogs because they're the most spoiled dogs in the world. Shout out to Nick's dogs. What's the name of your dogs? Rosemary, Patton, and Betsy. Patton? Those are folksy names. You named That's... a dog Patton? Yeah, Patton. Why? 
Uh, it was my Did dad's idea. Did you like idea. the movie Patton? Are we naming him I after get, a president? That, Are we naming him after, after Patton Oswalt? After Where General Patton. My dad yeah. named him after General Patton. After the movie, too. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I would have leaned in on the Oswald. Robert, how can we cheer you up here? Uh, not talking about this for the rest of the bleeping day. We're not going to. Okay, let's just quit talking this about it. This isn't a Ravens. anything else. Robbie, what was your second unusual question? Uh, what, yeah. other, what other athletes would make great pro wrestlers? Uh, with WWE signing Gable Stevenson today, that's their second gold medal wrestler that's ever they been signed. They signed his uh, his brother. Like, yeah, last he's been week down too, in right? Florida for a while. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I would have gone with the Gus Bus. Gus Edwards. That would, great nickname. That would have been great. Not cool. Not cool, Josh. <laughs> you know who I would like, Robbie. In all seriousness, you know how I would like to see just like quit what they're doing right now. And go to WWE, or I mean, at Josh, this point, I would AEW. love to see Josh Travis go to WWE oh right God. now. <laughs> would it be Kelsey? And slammed by Gus no. Bus. I want it to be Russell Westbrook. Oh, he's ripped. He's athletic enough to where he could pull off some some. See, why was I immediately bro- going broody, to football? Broody power moves, but also Robbie, are you with me? He can do some some of the high spots. I mean, he would be a great talker too. He'd cut a great promo. A hundred percent. Yeah, we've seen. Robert, what sport has generally been the better transition, football or basketball? Because you have the Dennis Rodman, Shaquille O'Neal, LeVar Ball examples where basketball personalities seem to translate better than football, but football obviously produces bigger athletes that you would more associate with wrestling. I don't know. You can look at it. It's probably a mix. You get your Goldbergs for football, Undertaker and Kevin Nash for basketball, Big Show played basketball. So it's really about the kind of athlete it is and not really the sport they came from. The Rock. The Rock was football at Miami. So that's another big one. Roman Reigns at Georgia Tech. Football. Mm. I, I mean, I think football would probably have more in there. But it's a more. I think it's a more common pursuit following a football career than it would be for most guys that play basketball. He tries to be funny. Obnoxious. It really is obnoxious. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Before we get to John U. Bacon, the New York Times best-selling author, college football historian, can we just say a quick prayer for poor Mercer? Coming up this Saturday. They've got Alabama. I don't know if you watched last weekend, but Alabama had some success against Miami. But don't tell Nick Saban that. Because Nick Saban, Robert, is mad right now. He's pretty upset. We have the sound of him at his press conference yesterday. When just talking generally about his team dismantling a top 15 ranked team by a million points. And all I could think is, this is the master tactician at work. Here's some of that sound from Nick. Still having some issues here. Uh, Sorry about that. Okay. Well, Saban, he, let's just say, the stuff about rat poison from a few years ago that he said it's made another appearance and perhaps we can revisit that 
after we're done talking with our friend John U. Bacon. That's what we can do. We'll get to some of that Saban sound in just a bit. The rat poison stuff furthered more and more. John U. Bacon now joining us. New York Times bestselling author. The book is called Let Them Lead, which I want to talk about a little bit later on. But since you're on in the Piedmont Triad of North Carolina, where college sports reign supreme down here, I just want to know generally what you felt watching crowds all across America, not just here in the Carolinas, but in blue states like Maryland and Virginia and red states like Texas and South Carolina, stadiums packed to the brim week one of college football, John. Well, including uh, my hometown stadium, the University of Michigan here in Ann Arbor. They said 109,000 people were there with no rules on masks or vaccination and so on. So we'll see what happens in the weeks to come, obviously, and it depends on how vaccinated people are and safe they are going into it. I'm sure it depends on the stadium, I guess. Uh, a little surprised, and I think it's we're probably a little uh, premature with this. Whoa, sorry about that. There goes my phone. Um, so on the one hand, it was cool to see everyone back together again, to see college football take place. Like you, I'm much bigger into college sports than I am into pro sports, although being a Detroit fan will do that to you, I think. Um, <laughs> but uh, on the one hand, it was cool to see. On the other hand, it's like, what are we doing? We're going to set ourselves up for next, you know, last fall, just like we already did. And this time we know how to avoid it. So um, hoping for the best, obviously, but it can't be that hard to put a mask rule in there. So says me. One of the things I hate is when people, the latest thing's always the best thing, and we use these great large superlatives to describe everything that happens. Like this is the biggest thing in history, left and right, when history is pretty long. It's a long period of time. College football, it's over 150 years. So few have studied or is as familiar with the history of college football as you are and as you've spoken about it on certain things like the college football 150 series that you did a few years ago with ESPN comes to mind. So I'll just lay Texas and Oklahoma at your feet here, jumping to the SEC and ask in the 150 years of college football, all these big decisions that have happened over the years. Am I wrong to think that years, decades from now, this is going to be the type of decision we look at and say it's one of the bigger things we've ever seen? I think it's not too soon to say that. Uh, we mentioned being premature earlier with thinking COVID is over. It's not premature to say that what is happening now is a tectonic shift in the entire nature of college sports with those two schools, Texas and Oklahoma, the SEC pretty much dominates college football, and there's no way uh, the Big Ten, I suppose, the next closest competitor, can catch up. Even Notre Dame wouldn't do it, and there's no other free agents out there to even get. Um, about the only thing the Big Ten can do is what the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 did, which is form, a, as you know, a very ill-defined alliance based on a handshake, I guess, uh, as a countermeasure for TV contracts and so on to the SEC. But right now, the SEC is going to dominate college football for the foreseeable, <clears throat> excuse me, foreseeable future, not just in terms of national titles, which they've already been cleaning up the last 20 years, uh, but also in terms of uh, TV contracts, the power of it all, who decides what the rules are, because the NCAA has more or less abdicated that role already. So essentially, the NCAA can't do anything that the SEC does not approve. So right now, they are essentially, I think, running college football. 
John U. Bacon with us here. It is the author, New York Times bestseller on WSGS Sports, and the book is called Let Them Lead, Unexpected Lessons in Leadership from America's Worst High School Hockey Team. It's another cliche and something that bothers me when people have authors on and ask, hey, why'd you write this book? But with this one, considering all the books you have written, why talk about your experience as arguably the worst high school hockey player taking a job being the uh, uh, maybe the worst high school hockey job there is? Great question, uh, and one I, I have to concede right there, of course, Josh. Um, and not even arguably the worst player. I can prove that one empirically. I played on the varsity for three years. Back in those days, that's all you could play uh, on the varsity hockey team here in Ann Arbor. Um, played 86 games, played in all of them, and scored not a single goal. That is the record. All right there, Josh. So <laughs> I can prove that one right there. Um, and then I take over a team that has not won a game in a year and a half. Their record is 0-22-3. So what do you have here? You have the worst player in school, you know, zero goals for the worst player in school history. Coaching the worst team in school history, zero wins. This is going to be great, right? So, but it did work out incredibly well. In three years, we passed 95% of the nation, uh, finishing fourth in the state and 53 out of 1,000 in the nation. Um, and, of course, I didn't score a single more goal as a coach than I did as a player, so all credit due to the players here. Um, but it came about because my editor in a previous book with Bo Schembechler, his name is Rick Wolf, uh, he's edited about 60 New York Times best-selling books on business, including Jack Welch's From the Gut, a blockbuster, uh, he said, look, you're, you saw my TED Talk from 2014 on this. He said, you're sitting on a great leadership book, but you've got to write it. No one else can write it. And I thought about it, and I asked the players first and the coaches because I didn't want to invade their privacy. And they said, no, by all means do so. So that's how this book came about. I'm glad we did it. Um, it's getting a great response. It's got a great review from Sporting News and Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and some others today, so that was good. Um, but uh, I'm glad we did it, and tonight I'm speaking in Ann Arbor in front of a few hundred people, including my old players, who are now 35, 36. So I'm also glad we waited 15 years to write it, basically, because now my players are in their mid to late 30s. Three-quarters of them are leading something. Uh, they're working in the Department of Homeland Security. One guy's a vice president in Atlanta of a big company, uh, Uber Freight, and the list goes on and on. Um, they were a lot more knowledgeable about what the experience meant to them in the mid-30s, and they would have been when it happened. Uh, so I got 150 pages from them about their experiences and baked those into the book. So it's a very rare leadership book where the leader admits his mistakes, and the people he led will tell you what I got right and what I got wrong. So a lot of fun to write, and I'm glad I did. The book's called Let Them Lead. It's author John U. Bacon, kind enough to join us here on WSGS Sports. I hate to close things with something that might, you know jeopardize our budding friendship, John, but since you're a Michigan <laughs> yeah, grad... I got thick skin. Go right ahead. I feel obligated to tell you that the most popular football team in the Piedmont Triad might just be Appalachian State. And I know why. <laughs> <laughs> behind, uh, mi behind Ohio State, how high up on the list of teams you are annoyed by is Appalachian? Oh, first of all, I'm supposed to be a journalist. I'm supposed to stay out of that. But look, I mean, honestly, not annoyed with Appalachian State at all. I don't think anybody around here is. I, I was really? there that game, of course. And I went out that night, and I asked a lot of Appalachian State, App State, as they say, uh, Appalachian State fans, how are they being treated? They said Michigan fans were buying them drinks. Not because they're happy with the outcome, 
because they were impressed by what they had pulled off. And they went in that game to win. They was not, you know, they, they were not cowering. And they had a great game plan, and they caught Michigan napping in part. But uh, that was one of the more impressive performances I've seen. Now, keep in mind, where it does get a little bitter for me, uh, my first bestseller, not a bestseller yet, uh, with Bo Schimbeckler, came out, Josh, three days before that damn game. Oh, no. And then we sold about 20 before the game. Oh, but everyone no. said hundreds said, you know, hey, we'll get you after the game. Who wants to you know, hold a book during a game? So you'll be right here. We would have sold hundreds after that game. I saw <laughs> zombies walking out of that stadium. They were not even looking at me or anybody else. I've never seen looks like that in my life. So, yeah, I remember that game. That's, a, that's <laughs> unbelievable. Oh, that's unbelievable. It really is. And I think what you're saying is true about Michigan fans not holding it against App State. I used to broadcast women's basketball, and I remember I went to Hartford, Connecticut to broadcast a game, UConn, women's hoops, and I was traveling with the team that was about to get slaughtered by 50, and we go into a local restaurant right down the street, and the, they see that they have the jumpsuits on for the team about to play UConn. And they give the team a standing ovation as they walk in. And I'm asking hey. him, well, why are you giving them a standing ovation? We, we want to see a good game. We haven't seen a good game here in 10 <laughs> years. We want to see a good game. So I, I yep. completely buy that. John, you, Bacon, I've, I've enjoyed your stuff for a long time. And uh, uh, I haven't had a chance to flip through Let Them Lead yet, but I definitely will. Appreciate you spending the time in the Piedmont Triad today. Hey, Josh, my pleasure. My dad went to Duke. My mom went to UNC, so we got some roots there. Quickly, the book website is called LetThemLeadByBacon.com. Also a podcast, and in the words of Dan Shaughnessy, the Boston Globe columnist on Sunday, he said it is uh, Ted Lasso meets Mighty Ducks. So there's your, there's your well, short Well, let me ask you. i got to know then. Duke Carolina plays in basketball. Who, what, what's the house like? Uh, calm, because my mom's from Canada. <laughs> you're the best man hey enjoy uh enjoy the, the the book tour and everything appreciate the time josh thank you buddy there you go that's john u bacon joining us is nuts you sound insane do you realize that you should be medicated this is the drive with josh graham on wsjs sports We went three and two last week. Not good enough. Five and five after week zero and week one of the college football season. I've got six bets, Robert. Had to narrow these down because I had about 15 written down on my yellow notepad in front of me. There's some I really liked. All week I've been feeling good about Appalachian State plus nine. Then I went back and watched when Sat went up against Miami back in 2016, and that wasn't even a really good Miami team. It's Brad Kaya, quarterback, and Appalachian State just got housed at home in Boone. It was tough. This game's in prime time. So steering away from that game, even though I really badly want Appalachian State to be competitive in it, staying away from that one, some other NFL home dogs, I'd like to take a chance on. I like home dogs, whether it be Cincinnati plus three against Minnesota or the Lions with San Francisco flying from the West Coast for a one o'clock kick in Detroit. A lot of those I like. These are the six I am rolling with, though. Let's bankrupt a casino. You're up 
Attention, please. Please do not turn off your radio. Why? Robert, should I get started in the NFL or college football? What would you prefer? It is no skin off my back either way. Since the NFL starts tonight, let's talk pro ball. Cowboys, plus nine and a half. That line's climbed to nine and a half because Zach Martin's out. Not playing. It's a big deal for the offensive line. That's a lot of points in the NFL. A lot of points for an opener, too. Give me Dallas. These openers, they tend to be lower scoring. Teams tend to hang around. We even see upsets every now and then. I think the Cowboys are going to be frisky. Keep it tight. I'm going to go Tampa 21, Dallas 17. Put some money on it. Robert, this might be a pick you hate, but I'm going with it. It's a gross game. It might be the grossest game of the weekend, but it's my favorite NFL bet. The Houston Texans are getting three at home against the Jaguars. Hear me out. I think experience is worth something. And to Rod Taylor or Tyrod, depending on what he prefers on a given day, has a lot more experience than Trevor Lawrence making his debut. And Urban Meyer transitioning from the college game to the pro game. Transitioning to coaching of any kind. He hasn't really coached in a game that matters in a very long time. Houston has David Culley, who was underneath John Harbaugh for all these years. Knows how the NFL sausage is made. I don't... This is more about the Jags than it's about the Texans. Just philosophically, I can't pick a team... I can't pick against a home favorite that's playing against a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach making their debut. I can't do it. And this stat I also found pretty interesting as well. Home division dogs are 26-9-3 in openers since 2017. Or make it 2013. Experience pays. I'm going to go with the Houston Texans. Let's not forget, the Jaguars, they were 1-15 last year, but they did win the opener. I'm going to go with the Texans here, plus the field goal. Put some money on it. This line has shrunk a half point. I'm going to go, I was going to go with the Raiders plus four and a half against the Ravens on Monday Night Football. Right now, everywhere I look, it is four. So Raiders plus four after the injuries to Marcus Peters and to Gus Edwards. And we learned about J.K. Dobbins as well. It's been a hellacious preseason for Baltimore. Injuries, Lamar having to sit out due to protocols. It doesn't look great. And they're debuting a new stadium. There's going to be a lot of energy. This is the first time they're allowed to have fans in Allegiant Stadium out there in Vegas. I think the Raiders win the game, period. I'm getting points, and I really don't know why. I think the Raiders and the Ravens pretty evenly matched. I put them both in the same group as, say, the Tennessee Titans, the Pittsburgh Steelers, teams that are going to be fighting for that final wild card spot. In fact, with the injuries the Ravens have, I'll go ahead and say that the Raiders, as of right now, a playoff team going to be that last wild card spot team to get in. And it could come down to this game. 
at the end of the season, tiebreaker scenarios. Give me the Raiders on Monday night plus the points. Put some money on it. College game. Robert, let's go to a kickoff here nearby, bordering state of Virginia, that's going to kick off at 11 a.m. in the morning. Virginia is giving 10 to Illinois. I'm going to go with Brett Bielema's club. I picked against them in the opener, Nebraska versus Illinois. It's the third game for the Illini. 11 a.m. kick in sleepy Charlottesville. And what I like, it it looks like Brandon Peters, their starting quarterback, is coming back. I think the the quarterback who was hurt in the Nebraska game, Brandon Peters, he's going to return. And they don't turn over the football. Brett Bielema's teams rarely ever do. I don't think they have a turnover in the first two games. Sorry, Sarah Bradford. I think Virginia might still win the game, but maybe not. Very close. Illinois getting 10 in Charlottesville. A very safe bet. Put some money on it. I got a total here. 61 for Troy and Liberty. I'm going over. This looks like a shootout. Has shootout written all over it in Troy, Alabama. The winner, I think, is going to put up at least 40 points. Liberty, which struggled at points against Campbell last week. The score might be a bit misleading. Has Malik Willis at quarterback, first-round talent. They've scored at least 30 points in 10 of their last 12 games. They've scored over 50 in half of those 10. So they can put up a lot of points. Not a lot of defensive resistance down there at Troy, who I think is pretty good. This is an either-or game. Troy's a pretty good football team. We know Liberty is. Over 61 seems like a safe bet. This seems like 40-35, to 38-35. I think it might go over 70 points. So 61 with good weather. I like that over. Put some money on it. And lastly, this is my favorite bet of the weekend. Washington is playing at the Michigan Wolverines in Ann Arbor. The Huskies are getting seven points. This is why I love it, Robert. Before week one, you could bet ahead for some of these games. It was Michigan minus a point and a half, two points, depending on where you look. After week one, where Washington loses unceremoniously to Montana in a big upset, this line climbs to a touchdown. Don't overreact to one week. It's why I'm not picking App State plus the nine at Miami. I'd be overreacting to the one game I saw of Chase Bryce against CCU. I don't want to do that. Similarly, I'm not going to overreact to Jimmy Lake's defense going to Washington or going to Michigan and thinking that it's going to look like what it was last week against Montana. I don't think so. I like Jimmy Lake's defense. I like this stat, too. Michigan's lost the last four times it's hosted a Power 5 team in Ann Arbor. And plus, Michigan was dealt a significant blow this week. Their best wide receiver, Ronnie Bell, is out for the season after their Week 1 win. So give me the Huskies. Washington, plus 7 at the Michigan Wolverine. Put some money on it. To recap the picks... 
I've got the Cowboys tonight plus nine in the hook against Tampa. The Texans plus three. Yikes, it's just so gross. I guess the Jaguars on Sunday, the Raiders plus four against the Ravens on Monday night, and in college, Illinois plus 10 against the Hoos in Charlottesville, Troy and Liberty going over the total of 61, and my favorite bet is the Washington Huskies plus a touchdown, and Ann Arbor. There you go. That's what we're going with. Really excited for NFL football tonight that you can listen to right here on WSJS Sports.